I did want to mention this. I meant to mention it before, and that is uh, we're asking special prayer for Justin and Lindsay and the kids. They're traveling home to the States on Thursday. He's being reassigned to Miami, so you're not going to be seeing him for a while, but hopefully within the next three or four weeks you'll see uh, Justin and Lindsay and the kids. Uh, we're looking very much forward to it. Uh, and just pray this move would go well. We know how badly the last one, how badly the last one went. So please just keep them in your prayer. Uh, we're going to be ter- returning this morning to Romans chapter 10. Beginning with verse 14 and, and working through verse 21. And just remember that the things that Paul is saying now are things that are flowing forth from what he's just said. So it's hard to take very often passages out of context because, you know, they're so connected with one another. And there's strings, these joining strings that run through all of them to hold the whole thing together. Just, and I just want to encourage you over and over again to keep things in context. Remember the context from which Paul is speaking these things. And that is everything he said already in the book of Romans. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not uh, all heed the glad tidings for Isaiah says, the Lord who has, has believed, who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice was, has gone out into the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, surely Israel did not know, did they? At the first, Moses says, I will make you jealous by that which is not a nation. By nation, without understanding, will I anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who sought me not. I became manifest to those who did not ask for me. But as for Israel, he says, all the day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. There is no doubt that Christianity and Judaism have a lot in common with one another. One of the greatest links between the two are the Old Testament scriptures. We recognize them as being part of Holy Writ, not the only part of Holy Writ. We understand that there was one God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. That he, in fact, has made us. We also understand that we are accountable to this God. That he has given us rules and regulations as to how we're to live our lives. We share the same ancient history and heritage. But what Paul has been arguing through this particular part of Romans chapter 10 and even back in chapter 9 to some degree 
is that there is an Israel that is the true Israel. And there's an Israel that is just Israel in name. Even though there's a lot of commonality that we have with Judaism, there is a lot of difference also. Sadly, Judaism is an example of how close people can come to God that fall short. One of the things that Paul has been arguing through this whole book is that it takes more than just being an ethnic Jew. It means faith in Christ Jesus, not just faith in God, but faith in Christ Jesus. Accepting him as Lord and as Savior. One of the saddest things about Judaism is this, is they continue to believe today that they can earn their way. That they just have to be good enough. They can, and, they, and they have the ability to make the necessary mark. And for someone to believe that, they would have to believe this. The, 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 the mark is not all that strict. In other words, it's not a matter of living your life perfectly for God. It's living your life just good enough for God. It's hard sometimes to say things like this because the last thing anybody wants to know, wants to be charged of, is being anti-Semitic. And I think because of that, that sometimes the church doesn't speak out in regard to this because of the fear that's going to happen. The reality is this. Either Jesus is true or Jesus is not. Either Jesus is true or Jesus is a liar. And the things that we're reading here in, in, in the book of Romans are not true. We know this, that Jesus came into the world to his people. And that some of them received him. But we also know there were a lot of them who didn't. Some were looking for him. Remember Anna? She was waiting. And in the temple, longing. But how many were there who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus, who, who experienced perhaps some of the miracles that he performed, etc., etc., etc.? In the end, however, they turned away from him and denied him. One of the things that we've learned from Romans is this. Paul emphasizes it, that it's a remnant. That God has been setting aside a remnant of mankind, not just of Israel, but of mankind from the very beginning of time. That he willfully determined and purposed to save from their own destructive ways. And to do everything necessary to make that happen. To make it, not just to make it possible, to make it a surety. 
that he would not lose a single one. None. He never has, and let me tell you something, guys, he never will. He has never lost anyone who has truly believed on him, and he never will lose anyone who has truly believed on him. As we prayed this morning, he has willful purpose for every one of us. And that is to bear his message. Everywhere we go, everything that we do. There may be people in your life that do not know that you're a Christian. Let me tell you, if that's true, shame on you. And let me just tell you that we need to be talking, but we don't need to be doing it with arrogance and pride, as often Christians do. Put about themselves this air that I'm better than other people. And we wonder sometimes why we turn them off. Why they're not listening, willing to listen to what we have to say to them. It's not just a matter of going. It is a matter of going with humbleness and humility, of acknowledging, you know what? If there's any difference between you and me, it is God and God alone. If he withdrew his hand from me at any moment, I would be gone. Unfortunately, I think very often the church does see the world as just being a bunch of prideful, puffed up, and arrogant people. Because very often that's how the church presents itself to the world. Judgmental. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to him, whether they be Jewish or Gentile, no one comes to him or to the Father, but through him, period. Christianity is not just good news. Christianity is the only good news. There is no other. It's the only good news for sinners. It's the only means by which people can be saved from their sin. God's the author of it. God's the perfecter of it. It's always helpful to remember certain things when you go about doing evangelism. And one of those is that uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that includes me. Also, that the wages of sin is death. That the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gospel, as Paul is presenting it in Romans, part of that Roman road, if you've ever heard of that before.
He says here, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. That's from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. It's not really the feet of those who go forth that are, are beautiful. It is a message that they bring, the glad tidings that they bring. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. We have a message. We have to speak it because if we do not speak it, how can anyone ever hear it? And let me tell you, if the news really is that good to us, there's no way that we can keep it in. I mean, if you really understand the gospel, if you really understand who you are, how can you possibly hold it in and never share it with anybody else? Preaching is part of it. I mean, it really is. It's a very big part. I mean, what Paul is getting here about here is evangelism. That's what the thrust of this passage is about, is evangelism. Now, for many, many, many years, and Judy's still doing this to some degree, she and Jerry have used a very simple tool to help very often open up the door so they could tell other people about Jesus by giving out their candy. What a wonderful idea. Very simple. And just think about all the doors that is open. Now let me tell you, they have, it's not always received very well. Matter of fact, a time came when they were banned from certain places because the people that owned businesses didn't want them giving out their candy in their business. But if we could all come up with just a simple little thing like that, to open doors, to have those conversations. Well, clearly, Paul is, is emphasizing here the, the, the principal and primary purpose of preaching. And clearly, there's an office of preacher that bears a greater burden, a bigger, bigger responsibility for doing this. Sadly, there are churches in the United States today and around this world that there'll be a sermon preached, but it'll have nothing to do with Christianity. At all. It won't be biblical. It'll be some human manufactured, made up, this, that, or the other. I would encourage you today to be very careful who you listen to. 
be very careful because there's a lot out there that is being preached that has no biblical foundation at all. The only way for you to protect yourself from error, from heresy, is to know the Word of God. To take everything you hear, and it would be my heart's desire, it would be my passion, if you, after you left here today, went home and opened up your Bible and weighed everything I say in the balance. And if what I'm saying this morning is not biblical, you need to reject it. Absolutely. But if it's not, you need to understand something. This is not me speaking. This is God speaking through me. If that's not happening, I'm not preaching this morning. I'm just a guy standing here talking. I've been up since 3.30 this morning. That's not unusual for Sunday mornings. And I don't say that because I want you to be impressed by me. I just want you to understand something, what a burden it is. It's nothing that anyone should do unless they're absolutely convinced that this is what God wants them to do. Let me tell you, if, if I had not been convicted, this was God's will for me, I never would be in, have been here to start with. I mean, he brought me into a box where I felt like I had no choice but to listen to what he was telling me to do. There's a huge percentage of people that enter into the gospel ministry that leave it in almost no time at all. So more of the burden falls on me. You know, you may feel burdened by everything, but you need to understand something. I have to share the burden that everybody in this room bears. Sometimes it means sleepless nights. Sometimes it means getting up early in the morning to make sure that what you're saying really is biblical. It's not just something that you've come up with, you've manufactured on your own. But part of the problem is this, is very often people think that's where all the responsibility of evangelism falls. It's on the preachers. That's what they do. That's why we pay them. So they can be the evangelists. We send people on the mission field. For the very same reason, and I think sometimes we do a lot of what we do because it kind of relieves us, we think, of responsibility. But let me tell you something. This is something that every one of us bears personal responsibility for. All of us. We have no control over things. 
And we know that there are times when Christianity seems to be gaining a lot of ground and, it, and the gospel is going forth in power and might. The Reformation was a good example of that when the masses were converted to Christianity. And we know there are other times when it seems as though things wane, when Christianity seems to be losing ground. And some people would conclude that maybe that's where we're at in the United States today. That Christianity is having less and less of, uh, of uh, an effect upon the manner in which our nation as a whole conducts itself. I mean, you look around at the culture today, and there are things going on in our culture today that people 100 years ago would have been aghast to, and today are commonly accepted as being the norm. Well, the world is going to be as the world is, but let me tell you, the church has a lot to do very often with that picture. Well, let me just say this to kind of make the point. You know, when the Roe versus Wade decision was handed down, I guess back in the early 70s, I think things would have been very different if the church had stood up and said, no. This is not going to be. Unfortunately, very often, fell on deaf ears. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not that great fan of Roman Catholicism because I disagree with a good deal of their theology and whatever, but let me tell you, the Roman Catholic Church stood, but they stood almost by themselves. And it should be, a, in some sense, of a measure that, the, where we can see what happens when we don't do what God has called us to do. When we begin to think that life is just about me. The only things I care about are the things that affect me directly and the heck with everything else. That's where we are. We are in sad shape. Sometimes I think that there are people, there, there are Christians who think that I'm saved. It's just, that's it. In the store, it's all about me. One of the things, one of the hallmarks of the culture we live in today is self-centeredness, selfishness. People only care about what affects them and they don't care much about anything else. But that is the secular world. It cannot be Christians. We cannot draw into our shell and just say, think, have the attitude, the world is just as it is, and I just, I'm going to live here inside my shell in the midst of this, and the only thing that's important to me is Jesus is coming back or I'm going to him, and I'm just going to sit around and wait for that to happen. That is not Christianity. Christianity says, get up off your duff and be about your father's business. 
in everything you do. Preach the gospel. And you can't say one thing and do something else. You have to not only speak it, you have to live it. Otherwise, your words will fall on deaf ears. Every time. We send missionaries. Michael and Cindy Erb, members of the church here. He's still technically an elder here. Just kind of in respect to him. I mean, he's not involved in decisions we make and things like that. Our family's very close to the Erbs. Lindsay babysat. Uh, Alex when he was just a little teeny tiny baby and then along came Natasha and and all that and Michael ministered very much to to, uh, Danny Hiley and to our son Stephen for several years he was like their big brother can't tell you how much time Michael spent with them Michael and Cindy are some of our closest friends Michael's one of those guys that I can sit down with and talk about anything. And let me tell you something. The day that they, they met me in the hallway after church one day, and I knew that they had been thinking and talking about Honduras for a while, and they told me, they said, we're going to go to Honduras. There was part of me that wanted to rejoice, but a very big part of me wanted to cry. And the fact of the matter is this, is I really believe that they would go for a while and, and then they would come back. That was like 11 or 12 years ago. And they have no intention of coming back. None. It's not even on their radar. They don't want to come back. Because they are doing the Lord's work where they're at. But if people don't go, how are people going to hear? If people don't go, how are people going to see? Missionaries. Let me tell you something. When I first began to feel the calling, I really felt this, that God was calling Lauren and I to go to Uganda. And let me tell you something. That's what I wanted to do. It broke my heart when it didn't happen.
but he brought us here. And let me tell you something. I don't doubt for a minute that God brought Lordy and I here. I, I, I believe with all my heart that God, everyone that's in this room, he brought every one of you here. To bring us together as a body so that we would experience Christianity, maybe in a way that we never have in our whole lifetime. That we would be part of a loving, giving, nurturing body of Christ that would strengthen us and build us in our faith so that we would be those who were going. And telling others this great and grand message that no one else has. This message of forgiveness, this message that says, yes, you are a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You don't deserve any good. But God is gracious and God is merciful and he's provided a way to make you his. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Either that is good news or it's not. If it's not, we can forget about everything. But if it is, I'm going to leave you with this question. If it is, how can we be silent? What do you say? Can we? No way. There are others out there where you were. There are others out there where I was. They're waiting to hear. Go tell them. Go tell them. Do nothing less.